Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody. And we are your podcast hosts, coming to you from the C-Event podcast studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Before we get to today's topic, read more about today's episode on the C-Event blog at cvent.com slash podcast. You guys know we love hearing from you, so email us at podcast at cvent.com. Today's episode is focused on the technology driving the events industry forward. We've got Corbin Ball with us in the studio, and if you don't know Corbin, then I'm just going to go ahead and say you're welcome up front. Corbin is at the epicenter for all things related to using technology to save time and improve productivity, specifically for us in the events industry. We're pumped to have him on the show. We sure are. And a topic Corbin is taking a lead on is virtual and augmented reality at events, as well as how AI will impact our industry. His tech articles and resources are so insightful, all of which can be found at CorbinBall.com. All right. Well, that's enough of us. Let's get to our conversation with Corbin. Corbin Ball, thank you so much for joining us. It is quite an honor to have you on the podcast today talking a little bit about event technology. Well, it's a pleasure to join you both, Brooke and Cody. Now, you've been in the events industry for a really long time. I know you recognize your name. Um, I think you've even come to a few C-Event events in the past. Can you just tell us, how did you get into the events industry? Well, briefly, actually, I've had three full-time jobs in my entire life. Uh, the first one is I was a director of educational media for Western Washington University. I was in charge of audiovisual educational media and uh, the graphics and educational television. In that capacity, I was immersed with technology, but a, a small engineering association moved into the town that lived in Bellingham, and they needed assistance with audiovisual, so they hired me first as a consultant to help them with one small meeting. Well, this is a technology association, and, they, and we caught the technology wave together, and they a year later joined with them as a part of their meeting planning team. And we grew from a small association to running the largest meetings in optics in the world. And I eventually became head of conference uh, operations for them. I uh, co-led a team of 10 meeting planners running international citywide technology meetings around the world. And I was immersed in technology. So I, I was working with Nobel Prize winners and I could just see the writing in the wall. And in 1997, uh, a year and a half before Google started, it's pretty early in the game, uh, I thought there would be a market for someone to go out and speak and consult and write, and write about uh, events technology. And I was the first person to do it, but uh, uh, that's what I did. And uh, it's been a really fun and interesting ride since then. Yeah, I can tell you enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like you're trailblazing there. But, um, you know, I have a question for you. What, in your opinion, are the tech trends that are having the most impact on the industry right now? There are so many of them, actually. There are many new ideas and the, the innovation is alive and well. There are many cool things that are happening. The areas that I've been focusing on lately are, are the impact of artificial intelligence on events, uh, the impact of virtual and augmented reality in events, and then a whole uh, data tracking. And so it's a tracking attendee journey, but uh, data integration and all what there's a lot happening in that space as well. Let's just take a step back for our audience. Can you define VR versus AR? Virtual reality is uh, immersive multimedia. So you put on VR goggles and it takes you to someplace else. As opposed to augmented uh, reality, 
And then there's also mixed reality, which is a some form of that augmented reality. You are you see the real world, and then you lay on digital uh, images and sounds on top of that. So you are not t being taken away someplace else. You are engaged within an, uh, the space that you're looking out on, and then you see supplemental material from that. Mixed reality is a subcomponent of that, and that's where what you're looking at, the objects actually appear to be floating or right there that you can interact with objects, as opposed to just straight augmented reality where it may be GPS indications or uh, other text type of, uh, of input. So remember that Pokemon Go app, Cody? Yes, exactly. I was thinking about that. Were yeah. you, is that augmented reality, Corbin? Yes, that is. That's a, that's a, was one of the first uh, big implementations of that, although mobile phone-based augmented reality has been around for about 15 years uh, in some form. But that was a really big one where you're playing with the, the Pokemon characters, but you're seeing the real world around you. Yeah, it was super mind-blowing when it came out. I was like, oh my god, there's a Pokemon in my living room right now. <laughs> Screenshotting it, telling everybody I'm seeing a Pokemon in my living so room. So true. Well, you haven't seen anything yet. It's, it, this is an area that is going to be exploding. Well, okay. Well, that leads me to my next question. Um, do you have a story where you've seen uh, the use of any of these done well, like augmented reality or virtual reality? And you know what made it so great? There, there are, uh, in fact, I think there's a case for both of them. And so, but they're for different things. Uh, so, for example, virtual reality, it's being used right now in a number of different ways. And so you have the ability for uh, site inspections, for example, that you uh, and you have hotels and you have destination management uh, companies that are uh, bringing their place, their site to you. I would say that the virtual reality in its form right now is it's about the closest thing to the Star Trek holodeck that we have. And it can be very effective in those type of ways. So for site inspections, also for VR uh, booth and stage set design, that if you, uh, before you spend thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on a big uh, exhibit booth, for example, or a stage set, uh, you can see it and walk through and experience it in, a, in probably as realistic of a manner as uh, that it could possibly do it. Also VR room diagramming is another example uh, where you're seeing and some room diagramming companies are starting to use that uh, virtual reality so that you, you're we sell a dream essentially of meeting planners and hoteliers. You're selling a dream of an uh, event that hasn't happened yet. And if you can visualize that, that's a much stronger sales tool about what's going to happen and it gives you a much better feel as well. Where I don't think, see you're going to see the major impact yet is going to be in a virtual attendance. All you, although you are seeing with Facebook, um, the Facebook Oculus venues, for example, that, that show basketball games and major concerts, um, it's going to be remaining, I think, in that realm for a little while. The reason why things haven't really fully standardized in terms of virtual reality sets, they're fairly expensive. I mean, starting at a, well, you can get one for, I guess Google Cardboard is kind of the real basic one you can buy for $5. But, you know, to have a true good virtual reality headset that you'd want to use for an exhibit that doesn't use your phone, uh, that starts about 200 but it'll go about 1500 And it's just, there's a, you know, a, a lot of variations in the, in the marketplace right now and choices. And so it hasn't fully standardized. So 
Uh, I don't see, except for all for the really big events and concerts and so forth, you're going to see that in in business events for the near future. Uh, longer range, that may quite be a, a, an option for that. Now, augmented reality is, is another aspect, though, that I think has great potential for, and I should mention, I should back up to virtual reality as well, that for booth demos as well, it can be helpful with that. It's a, you can take somebody to someplace else, and that can be really engaging with that, but it takes time to put on the VR headsets and sanitize it for the next year's year and show them how to use the control. So you're not going to get a real huge throughput for that. Now, augmented reality, unlike virtual reality, which is the immersive, you are in the system right there. You are in the real world and you're looking around. And, and so you're starting to see uh, uh, also uh, augmented reality being used for product demos. And, uh, uh, but it's a product demo where people can stand around using the augmented reality headsets or a VR app as well. So, and you're starting to see some uh, mobile event app companies incorporating uh, VR within their, their systems with that so that you can uh, uh, see more about uh, a certain product, for example, or you can walk up to a poster of a speaker and uh, see the, the speaker put up your app and then you the speaker will come to life and tell you what's happening and what's doing it. Or um, even then, there's lots of directional wayfinding through uh, an exhibit hall. There are many ways that uh, that can happen as well. So I think there are related areas of uh, of augmented reality as well. There are augmented reality demo walls and mirrors that you can use to engage attendees at an exhibit, for example. And even uh, a telepresence is a form of that. So projecting uh, a person on stage and looks like that person is on stage. Uh, I've seen this in real life and up close in a, an event recently in London. And uh, uh, there is a woman that uh, a BBC newscaster that recorded herself. And so she stood there interviewing herself on stage. I was standing about 15 feet away. And it was difficult to tell which person was live and which person was being telepresenced in. It's a uh, it's, and then even uh, another aspect is projection mapping, which is uh, uh, projecting uh, images on irregular forms on the side of a building or a stage set uh, that you can use uh, this augmented layering of uh, augmented spatial reality, essentially, to be able to engage in a much deeper way what's happening on stage or on the side of a building. So there are lots of different spaces with that. But the, I think the thing that gets me excited about this is that it's, it doesn't take you away. It doesn't immerse you. It doesn't isolate you. It involves you more deeply within the event. And so I, I think of the two, the augmented reality in the near set is going to be where you're going to see more of the activity with that. The other thing that's happened at the Consumer Electronics Show this year and last year, there's a, there's a big trend for uh, much less expensive glasses and glasses that even uh, nor look like normal glasses. And so you don't have to, um, you know, you don't look like this geek walking around with this weird set of goggles on your uh, face that you, it looks like a normal set of glasses. And, it, um, and in fact, I mean, there's just been some recent uh, publicity in the last couple of weeks of, about more activity, even in augmented reality contact lenses becoming, that's not going to happen tomorrow. But this is on the way of development in the next four or five or ten years.
That is cool. <laughs> yes, I like that contact. I mean, because we remember like Google Glass, right, and all of that, and it didn't necessarily completely take off. It was sort of a little bit odd looking on your face sometimes, but it's very cool to hear about that. You know, people didn't want to be recorded. You know, it was uh, you know they were geeky looking, and it was cool technology. And the technology is is actually really quite helpful. And um, and surgeons are using this type of technology to determine which cells are cancers and what cells are not, or, uh, you know, advanced airline mechanics that you, you can have your whole manual and, and a compare, you know, comparative images right there of what you're doing the step-by-step instructions, you know, on a heads up display. So there are a lot of ways that even the geeky looking glasses would will work, but uh, in terms of widespread adoption, where you're walking around an exhibit hall, for example, using augmented reality voice activated to find your way to the exhibitor that you want or to hall a or how you engage in lots of different things there i think it's really interesting when you're talking about this technology corbin that it seems like in the end it can actually save planners time and money i was thinking about that when you're talking about the site visits how expensive is it to travel around the country or world doing site visits if you can do it with this technology i mean it could really save some valuable time i think there's great potential in that area and this is an area that there's a lot of development as well that the the cost to do those virtual site inspection displays are coming down to now you can start using this with a uh, mobile phone and the stitching technology to put together. They're using this a lot in, in real estate. They're using it a lot. And you'll start seeing Airbnb. Just, you know, there are millions of different uh, uh, places that could happen. And then hotels. This is going to be a, a standard application. If you want to walk through a multi-room complex and see really specifically what's happening, it's getting much easier, much less expensive for this to happen in the next year or so. Uh, uh, I was at IBTM. I chair the tech watch for IBTM each year for the last 17 years. And there are uh, two or three vendors showing specifically those type of technologies there at, at a fraction of a cost of what it used to do to have a team to come in and uh, do a video uh, a VR recording of your event space. And you've been in the events industry for a long time. So if we do like a quick timeline, you know, the 90s where we're using email, the internet connectivity, you get in the you know 2000s. And of course, we see this huge adoption of the web. 2010s is mobile technology. That's when I started to get into the industry with the mobile apps. And now we're 2020. And you shared that artificial intelligence is a very significant technology change. But what should event planners be thinking about when it comes to AI? I, I think, as you said, uh, this, uh, Brooke, is that this is, this is going to be one of those revolutionary technologies that is going to affect society in general. It's as profoundly as the email, as the internet, as the web, as mobile technology has in our lives today. The decade of the 20s, I think is going to be the decade of artificial intelligence. And you're seeing a number of applications already uh, uh, with this. And so, uh, you, you, for example, if you want to be able to simultaneous translation, um, I do a lot of international presentations and then around translation booths and uh, that semi-frequently. These are expensive propositions that you have to set up the booth, you have to hire the interpreters, you have to distribute the headsets and so forth. And it's, you know, this is a, 
and expensive. And so it's therefore it's limited to a lot of different events. Uh, there are companies now such as Worldly, which can use artificial intelligence uh, to translate simultaneously into 15 different languages and people access it using their mobile phone and a, and a good Wi-Fi system. Uh, although voice recognition is good. I mean, you look at what we're dealing with Alexa and Google Home, that it has gotten way, way better than it has in the past. It, you know, I wouldn't recommend it for using yet at the United Nations, you know, really high-end events. But what I think is really exciting about this technology is that it will open it up to many, many more types of events at a fraction of the cost of the you know, hired ter- interpreters and in doing that, uh, uh, setting up booths and doing that. So I think, uh, and even for people that are hearing uh, impaired, is that if you want to translate into to English as, or the, the language that they're listening into it. So I think there are great opportunities using artificial intelligence uh, for that. Uh, there are other ones, uh, you know, facial recognition for expediting uh, registration processes is definitely on the way here. I've experienced it a few times around the world and it's quick, fast, seamless. You know, process people in five to seven seconds as they're walking up to the registration system. So that's an option. But also, I think one of the interesting trends that has happened lately is that there's pushback about privacy intrusion for facial recognition. And although events are really not deci- designed to be about privacy, it's not, you know, we wear name badges around our be- uh, necks. It's about meeting people and engaging with people. So, uh, but I can see that there's some concern about that, but there are ways of using voice or face tracking technology to do this anonymously. And there are a couple of companies out there that are doing it. The Zenus Analytics is one where you can point a camera at an audience at relatively low light level, uh, an audience of a thousand, and be able to determine a quite accurate count and uh, the gender and age and also if they're paying attention. And so you could get immediate feedback. The speaker at a time throughout an event could get immediate feedback of where you are engaging people and where you've lost that audience. And so I think that'd be it's a, a very helpful tool. And then there are the, uh, their companies, TrackMini is one of them that does this design for the exhibit booth or display stands with it throughout an, uh, an event. And so it will track, you know, as you walk up, it uses an iPhone and the, you know, Wi-Fi network, there's an app that, and it will track how long you've stood in front of an exhibit display, your age, your gender, your interest, where are you looking at on the display, you know, a whole range of uh, things, and it does it anonymously. So you get the aggregate totals of those, which are, you know, how long, the times of the day, you know, all those types of things that are really helpful analytics for for events. You know, there have been, there are chatbots around, and certainly, uh, the text is the most widely used uh, app on a smartphone by far. You know, everybody uses text and somewhere almost everybody does. Using uh, chatbots to be able to, uh, for people to ask questions and they, they, uh, with artificial intelligence, it can understand the meaning of that question and respond back in, in an automated way, saving staff time, saving the cost for that. So I, I think that uh, there are benefits in this, and uh, I think you'll see chatbots uh, happen in a lot of other ways as well. I mean, uh, for matchmaking, for uh, just improved uh, personalization uh, of content, of uh, improved data collection and analytics, where you know you are seeing CRM systems, customer relationship management systems that uh, 
Um, you can use the artificial intelligence to determine uh, uh, Salesforce automation tools to be able to determine how most accurately to respond and what who are the best contacts. And so the list goes on and on. There's the, the artificial intelligence, I think, is uh, has huge potential benefits, and we're already seeing those, but I think we're just scratching the surface on this. This is an area that is going to work its way into almost every uh, industry that we can think of and to improve the process of that. So I'm personally obsessed with the facial recognition technology, you know, being able to see where people are engaging, you know, that session over there was maybe kind of the least engaged session, what we can do. I wonder if, and do you think that there's ever going to come a time where we'll be able to facially recognize that Cody's at an event and he's enjoying these types of session and then point him to content of that same kind? See, this is an area that I think that, uh, certainly, we can do that with other technologies as well right now. I mean, there, there's other other ways with beacon technology. You can track where people are going to events and how long they stay and dwell time in front of exhibit booths and, and so forth. And with social media tools, you can gauge, you know, collective uh, group sentiment and so forth. Uh, I think that we have to be careful about there's a dark side of facial recognition that we have to be careful about. We're seeing that dark side happening in China, for example, where, where on, on the plus side, there, uh, there are hundreds of hotels that, you, uh, that Chinese can go into and uh, using their face, check in and facial recognition, check in for uh, to check in, to get into the room, to, you know, do all sorts of things. And so, that's the plus side, but you know, if the, if the government is using facial recognition to track dissidents, for example, that can be a problem. And so I think that we will need to go forward a little cautiously with facial recognition of you know, tracking individuals and who they are and how long they've spent and, uh, the, you know, for that recognition. It's certainly possible to do that, to be able to put in a, a you know, a huge database of, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn faces and know who people are and automatically recognize them when they come in. That'd be nice if you're, you know, a VIP in a hotel and you're automatically recognized, but it's a little creepy. And I think that this is a, an area that we're going to have to, society is going to have to uh, work out. And I think that um, this is one that we need to proceed a little bit with caution. I think that's yeah. good advice. I agree. And, you know, it is a little creepy. I just know that when I sign into Facebook and it shows that I'm tagged in somebody's photo that didn't even tag me, I think that is a little crazy. But um, Like you know, you're going to have Pokemon ads popping up <laughs> on your Facebook now because we just mentioned it, I right? know. That is crazy, too, in and of itself. <laughs> it's a different conversation. Um, and you did bring up, you know, some of the, like, um, you know, downfalls of using AI with facial recognition. But is there anything else that we should avoid doing when it comes to leveraging technology? I mean, it just does so much. But what are some of the dangers here? The one thing I th uh, I'm largely in favor of is uh, GDPR, the General Data Protection uh, uh, Regulations in Europe, uh, and then also increased uh, data protection standards in California and coming in other places, Canada and other places as well. I think that uh, that event planners. And anybody that's collecting individual data, personal individual data, data needs to be uh, transparent about uh, what they are doing, what they're using it for, and also give individuals the ability to opt out and also to be forgotten, to not be included in, in the system if they so wish. And so, um, you know, those things, I, uh, those measures uh, are, are good, and I think we're going to see increased uh, emphasis in that space. But I would 
urge planners to toward on the end of transparency in terms of how they're using the data. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot, just making sure that the technology you're using is following these rules and regulations, and there's new ones every day, GDPR, CCPA, and we keep seeing them come out. So I think that's very solid advice. Now, let me ask you, Corbin, this is probably going to be one of the hardest questions I ask you today. If there's one thing an event planner should be doing or be thinking about when it comes to improving their next event, what would you recommend? I have a couple of recommendations. One is that uh, to remember that technology is not an end. It's a means to an end. It's a means to an end of hopefully a more efficient and a more engaging meeting and hopefully both and, you know, a means to better meetings. But when you're using technology, it, it's be really uh, thoughtful about how what your goals are, your specific goals in using them and, and define those in the measurable ways so you can analyze and make sure you've succeeded. It's not the uh, brightest new shiny object that's out there. It's the one that can really add specific value in, in multiple ways to your event. And so that's, that's the one urging that we have. And I guess the second one would be that we are in very rapid changing times and there, there's new ideas and really cool stuff that's coming out. I think we're living in the most exciting times that humans have ever lived. It's just we're in a renaissance of discovery in, in science and technology and medicine that is, is unprecedented. And in uh, the same with the events industry, that there's a lot of new interesting things out there. So um, keep your ears, ears open and your mind open about how you can use technology uh, to benefit the process. And fortunately, we are well connected. There are podcasts, there are uh, major events that you can go to. There are you know, lots of ways, of, uh, websites and so forth. There's lots of ways of, of getting information about these new technologies that are happening. But it's, a, it's one thing I think is uh, these changes, even the ones I've talked about today, but there are many others that are having huge impacts on events. And for the event planner to be aware of those and be able to incorporate some of them in their tool chest, I think is something that's really important and and the planner should spend some time and invest some time to think and learn about. I agree. So, I I mean, what I hear you saying is don't use technology for technology's sake. Use it thoughtfully and make sure that it's bringing value to both you and your attendees. Don't just like throw a VR experience in there. Make sure that it's really enhancing your event and the goals you're trying to reach. Well said, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, Corbin, this has got to be like one of my favorite topics. I, I'm the tech geek here. So um, is there anything you want to promote or share with our listeners? Like, is there any um, other resources? Well, I have one. Oh, you Brooke should does. follow Corbin on Twitter because he has awesome posts. And just like what you were saying, Corbin, stay up to date on the newest technology. That's the first step. I'm kind of a fan. Yeah. Okay. First things first, follow <laughs> Corbin. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thanks. I uh, I do try to post semi-regularly there to, of new things that I find. I, I think one of the sources that I recommend is my website, CorbinBall.com, right? Um, I have hundreds of free articles. There are thousands of links that are categorized of, of the event technology links. Uh, there are lots of tips and tools there. To, um, so if you're wondering about what's happening and what's new there, uh, it's largely non-commercial. I do talk about my speaking and consulting services in the site, but really the main goal is to help event planners uh, grapple with and deal with and find out about event and exhibition technology. 
Absolutely. Well, this was an absolute joy for me. I've been a fan for a very long time. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Anything else you think our audience needs to know before we go? I think we've covered uh, enough for today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure, Brooke and Cody. It's a pleasure to join you today. It is never a dull moment when talking to Corbin. I mean, how fun is it that he gets to explore new event technology all the time? Hashtag goals, am I right? <laughs> Seriously. And that facial recognition stuff, holy cow. So I just want to say thank you to everybody for joining us this week on the How Great Events Happen podcast. You know, To get more episodes and exclusive content, always feel free to head on over to cevent.com slash podcast. And as always, Brooke and I would love to connect with you. So shoot us an email at podcast at cvent.com. And we'll see you next week for another great episode. Bye. Bye.